the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, we have been studying through the uh, Gospel of John. Uh, We looked at the first 18 verses, which is called the prologue and introduces the themes that are going to be uh, detailed in future chapters. We then were introduced to the ministry of John the Baptist. Jesus then chose six disciples. And now we find ourselves at chapter 2, where the author describes Jesus' first miracle. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands right here in the Bay Area in San Bruno. And he's continuing in the book of John, as he indicated, and we'll pick up in chapter 2 in a moment. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands, and they're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, in the last chapter, only Nathaniel is identified clearly as a believer. Evidently, the other disciples were still in the process of checking Jesus out. But after this miracle, his disciples believed in him. The miracles of Jesus provide some of the most powerful and convincing proofs that he was indeed the Word become flesh, God incarnate. Now, the author provides us only eight examples of miracles that Jesus performed, and so the list is by no means exhaustive. It's probable that Jesus did more than eight miracles in any given day. But these eight miracles were chosen by the author to fulfill his expressed intention. That's given to us in chapter 20, verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. There's many other miracles that were performed that are not recorded here. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. So it's not the quantity of miracles that matters, but it's the quality of every miracle as a supernatural act that proves who Jesus is. Now, the richness of this gospel provides some challenges to those who study it because it uh, contains multiple layers 
of truth. There's a simple surface story that anyone can understand and retell, but there's also a wealth of deeper meaning for those who have the desire to seek and find it. So first, let's look at the story and understand the situation. And then let's look at what it tells us about Jesus, his work, and the timeless truths that the author wants to reveal to us. Now, Cana of Galilee is so-called to distinguish it from another Cana in Coelho, Syria. It was a village very near to Nazareth. In fact, Jerome, who visited there in the 4th century, said he could see it from Nazareth. In Cana, there was a wedding feast to which Mary went. She probably held a special place because she knew when the wine ran out and she had authority to order the servants to, uh, to do what Jesus told them. So in all probability, she was functioning as a wedding coordinator or something along that line. And the vividness of the detail indicates to us that it's an eyewitness account. You'll notice here that there's no mention of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And the explanation is that he probably is dead by this time. The last known recording of Joseph that we have in the scriptures uh, is uh, at the time that Jesus was about 12 years old and they went to visit the temple in Jerusalem. Evidently, sometime between that visit of Jerusalem and Jesus entering his public ministry, Joseph passed away. Jesus then, as the eldest son, would have been responsible for providing support for the family. And as a widow, Mary would have already been accustomed to Uh, depending on her firstborn son. Son, could you take care of this for me? And can you take care of that for me? At the crucifixion, we know that Jesus committed the care of his mother Mary into the care of the apostle John. And so most certainly Joseph was dead by then. Now in Palestine, a wedding was a huge celebration. It was a huge occasion. It was almost like a national holiday scaled to a local, local place. Um, it was the Jewish custom that a wedding of a virgin would take place on, on Wednesdays and a widow on Thursdays. The festivities would last more than one day, sometimes even more than a week. And uh, the ceremony itself took place late in the evening after a feast, and then the young couple would be paraded through the streets under flaming torches and under a canopy, and they would intentionally take the longest possible route in order for the people of the village to be able to wish well the couple. And then they didn't go away for their honeymoon. They went home, and they had open house for a week. Isn't that a wonderful way to start a marriage? <laughs> open house for your first week being husband and wife. Now, they were treated like uh, a king and queen, uh, and in a place where there was much poverty and hard work, it was a, it was a special time of festivity and great joy for, for everyone. Now, for a Jewish feast, wine was essential. In fact, the rabbis had a saying, without wine, there is no joy. And it wasn't that people were drunken. In fact, drunkenness was uh, a source of disgrace. But in the, wine, in the East, wine is essential. And usually, in order to alleviate uh, uh, the tendency towards getting inebriated, they would uh, mix th- uh, two parts wine to three parts water. So... Hospitality in the East is also considered a sacred duty. A number of years back, we had the opportunity to go to the Ukraine uh, and do some missions work there. And after a a Sunday morning service, we were invited over to one of the homes. And when we got to this home, the table was piled high with an enormous amount of delicious food. And uh, the local missionary who was uh, guiding us leaned over to me and said, that uh, this was very, very special 
that uh, this person had gone to their neighbors to gather as much food as they could to lay out a, a feast for us, that they considered a sacred obligation to show us hospitality. It would have been a great source of humiliation for this bride and bridegroom to run out of food and drink. The, the fact that they were short of wine suggests that this couple was very poor. So Mary came to Jesus to tell him what was taking place. The King James Version of Jesus' reply makes it sound like he was being discourteous towards his mom. He says, woman, what do I have to do with thee? Now, that is a, an accurate translation of the words, but it's not an accurate translation of the meaning. For instance, the word woman, gunai, sounds to us to be very rough and abrupt, but it was the same word that Jesus used of Mary when he was hanging on the cross and he was entrusting her care uh, to the Apostle John. It was a title of respect. It was a title, the nearest thing we might have in English would be something like lady. And it was uh, unusual for a son to uh, address his mother with this formal, respectful title, but um, it probably indicates and underscores that there's a new and different relationship between he and Mary now that he has entered public ministry. The story also gives us another insight as to Jesus when he says, My hour has not yet come. All throughout this gospel, Jesus is talking about the hour. In this passage and in chapter 7, it's the hour of his emergence or beginning of ministry. In chapters 12 and 17, it's the hour of his crucifixion and death. And so all throughout his ministry, Jesus was always reminding others and reminding himself of his purpose and task, the reason for which God had given him. Now, the phrase, what do I have to do with thee, was a common uh, conversational phrase. It's found often in the Old Testament. What it, what it means is, don't worry, leave things to me, I'll settle them in my own way. And Mary had great confidence in him. She told the servants to do as Jesus told them to do. Now, why was that? Well, because he was about to ask them to do something really strange. I mean, just think about it. You're a servant. You know that they're running out of wine, and somebody tells you to go get some water. Think about it. Doesn't make an awful lot of sense. And so what Mary was telling the servants is, whatever he tells you to do, even if it doesn't make sense to you, do it. And, you know, sometimes God gives us instructions that don't seem to make much sense to us. But if God says to do it, we should do it. He has a purpose for it. Now, there were six large water jars that each held between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So there would have been a total of between 120 and 180 gallons of water. And because the author is writing to not only a Jewish audience but also a Greek audience, he explains that this water is for uh, purifying ceremonies of the Jews. Now, it was used for two purposes. First off, it was used to wash the feet. In that day, most everybody walked from place to place. The roads were not paved. The feet would be covered in dust or mud if it was raining. And so when they would arrive, a servant would wash their feet before they entered the home. And secondly, it was used for hand washing because the Jews had a, uh, a ceremonial cleansing that they, they would wash their hands before they began to eat. And they would also wash their hands between each course of the meal. And if they failed to do so, they were considered ceremonially unclean. And so that was the purpose of these jars of water. 
Now, you notice here that the author says that they were filled to the brim. And John, the author, he wants us to, to know that because he wants us to know that there was no room for anything else to be added to the water. You know, the centuries that followed, somebody might have suggested, well, they added something to the water. And the Apostle John foresaw that possibility. He says, nope, they were filled to the brim with water. Jesus never touched the jars. Jesus never touched the water. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And if you appreciate the teaching of Pastor Leighton, won't you encourage him by sending a note? Just click on the contact link when you go to their website, and it's there on the homepage. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You can also link through to Highlands Christian Schools, providing a Christian education for more than 60 years here in the Bay Area. The details again for Highlands Christian Schools can be found by linking through from highlands.us. Join us tomorrow when we come back at this same time and continue to study in the book of John verse by verse. I'm Mike Trout. And this broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.